conversations that inspire. I'm Jess Baker from Journey to a Better Place. And in this podcast, we're going to explore all the things that I just can't get enough of, like spirituality, meditation, positive psychology, living a conscious life, and living a life aligned to your soul's purpose. We'll speak to seekers from around the globe who are just like you and I, who share their stories to inspire us and offer us wisdom and insight from their journey. Thanks for joining me on your journey to a better place. This month's podcast is something that has sort of followed on from last month with our conversation with Abby when I was asking her about Tai Chi. I've had a real interest in Qigong of late and found this incredible human being, again, on the wonderful world of Facebook, who is a Qigong breathwork teacher who has such wonderful experience and wonderful stories and a beautiful way about him. So I'm really excited to get to know him and what Qigong, what the hell Qigong actually is. I'd like to welcome Jocelyn. Hi, everyone. Hi. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jess, for giving me the opportunity to, to help and, and also to share my knowledge about Qigong and breathwork to people. It's really, I really appreciate it. Just tell me before we start, where in the world are you? Um, I'm a French person from Paris, but I'm currently living in the Czech Republic for the last, nearly the last nine years. Wow. What took you to the Czech Republic? Um, actually, what took me to the Czech Republic is very is a is a family thing because my grandmother lived uh, in the Czech Republic because she used to have back pain and I don't know if you you guys know in Australia but Czech Republic in Prague is is very famous for uh, their um, you know the um, the treatment with the water the um, the salty water sort of uh, um, um, how is it called it's those places you go when you have like sort of magnesium water you have all these natural water places. And it helps you for back issue or whatever the pain you have, by the way. And so my grandmother lived here for quite a time. My father used to come when he was a kid. So I decided to move in 2010 and change my life a little bit. So tell me about Qigong. Like how, what, oh my God, so many questions. How did you discover what Qigong is? How did your journey start for that? So uh, basically, um, as uh, when I was a child, I really much suffer with the, um, some some sort of. It's, it's quite the paradox of my person. Is because when I was a kid, I was very socialized. I was talking to anyone, and I have a plenty of friends. But inside me, I was suffering from some sort of anxiety that transformed into agoraphobia um, and claustrophobia. So it was very hard for me, for example, as a kid, to go to birthday party and enjoy time with my friend. It was very hard for me to go to music concert when I was a teenager or going to a music festival or going in, even into a car on the back of a car when the car was sort of packed with friends. It was just impossible for me to breathe. And I could not share that to my friend because obviously I was ashamed. So I gave back the other coin of the, of the uh, you know, of the other coin of the, the um, the, how do you say of the penny? How do you, how do you call that? The uh, the other part of the coin. And then I was playing and pretending to be happy, super socialized. But back home alone, I was very much suffering uh, from that uh, heavy anxiety. And that was staying with me for about about five to around five to six years. And then my father told me, you literally should change that and gain self-confidence. And so 
this is where my journey with martial arts started. And so I started martial arts very young age, um, at 12 years old. When I moved to China for training, I realized uh, 12 years old was quite old because in China they start at five, but I started martial arts at 12 years old. I started Kung Fu, uh, Chinese martial arts. So it was, how old were you when you were suffering from um, that? I literally, I literally felt the first symptoms between eight to 15 years old, easy. So young. Yeah, very young. Yeah, yeah, very young. And and I remember the time it happened to it happened to me. It was it was on a, on a, on a class, and we, re, we we learned the alarm from the from the school, and everyone rushed out to to you know to get out of the class as fast as possible because everyone was sort of scared that the, the maybe the school uh, burns burned down. So everyone rushed and run run out of the class, and it was at that time it was forty people per class running out, and so I get stuck into the door. And what happened is that I just couldn't breathe. And that I don't know what really happened. I started to sweat. And we get stuck for so, sort of a lot of time because all the rows were full of, of, of children. And, and I couldn't breathe. And then I started to have these palpitations, sweaty, and I was nearly passing out. And the next morning, I thought it was just, just a nightmare. And, and, and that's it. And, and another day is coming. And then that was the beginning of maybe something stuck in the back of the brain, maybe something stuck in the front of the brain, but usually it's on the back of the brain because it's those uh, um, um, sort of fears that you have from your childhood or even when you're born. And after talking to a lot of psychotherapists uh, on that, it, it was an interesting thing is I born uh, not the natural way. Um, I have no idea how you say that in, uh, in, uh, in English, but you know, they had, they had to operate my mother too. So, I didn't go through the natural way. So basically, I didn't have to work to make the work with the sound, with the pressure and stuff. And a lot of those babies that born this way, like my way, um, tend to have agoraphobia and claustrophobia through the time. And so, yeah, it triggered at about nine, nine to 10 years old. Oh, that's just incredible, isn't it? To be able to pinpoint it to that one particular time and opens our awareness I suppose about how um kids are so I'm going to say like fragile like yeah you know we, we think we're doing the best thing for them by doing those fire alarms and making sure they're safe and stuff but we don't realize that the long-term consequences that we can have on somebody that is very true, but um, that is very true. But that, uh, what happened to me, literally no one could ever imagine that, 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 that the consequences of that. It's just like, it was probably something from my, the moment I born, literally. Mm. And, and it triggers something from my brain that remember maybe at the precise moment when I get stuck in between those doors with those kids crushing me on, on, uh, against the wall. So it might trigger something from, 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 my, from my birth, from the moment I born. So... Even if you have the lovely, the, the loveliest childhood in the, in the planet, which I had, uh, so I'm happy for that. But I'm just saying, like, no one could even control that. It was just something that popped up. And that was the reason why my father told me and my mother, they said, you need to go to do something to sort of fight this feeling. Because it tend, after the years, to become a, a, like a daily nightmare for me. There was days I couldn't even go in, in the bath and taking a bath, a proper bath in the water because I felt the water where I was drawing under the water. So it went very, very far to the point that I told my father told myself, all right, let's put you into a, a, a Kung Fu club in, in Paris and let's see how you're going. Maybe and go three, four, five times a week if you need. And so I went there 
for a very long time uh, through uh, through uh, the year. So I was going there very often, like four or five times a week. And I was quite good at it because I was so much, I, I thought in my mind as a kid, the more you're going, the better you cope with the anxiety and the stress. Mm. And so I was just jumping into martial arts. And then I discovered Qigong quite rapidly because in, in, in Kung Fu, you do have the external part, but you also have the internal part that you talked about. You do have the Tai Chi, but you also have the Qigong. And um, at the age of uh, um, uh, 18, I decided to go, uh, 19, sorry, I decided to go to China to train sort of professionally uh, in a monastery. And, and then my journey started to go to China for the next two years. That's incredible. Started so young and a really good example, I think, of how you can take one of those real big life challenges and use that to really shape your whole being, who you are in this world, and to go and learn at such a young age to bring back and share that to everybody is, is a blessing. Like it would have been horrendous at the time, but what a big blessing you've been given. I mean, I mean, after now I can tell you it is a blessing, but during the moment I trained and the moment I arrived in China, remember we are 2005, 2006. In, we're not talking about Beijing, we're not talking about Shanghai, we're talking about Henan province, which is the middle of nowhere. For those who don't know, it's very much in the center. You have Beijing in the north, Shanghai in the east, and let's say you're in the, big, in, in, in the, in, in the middle, and the place called Dengfeng, Dengfeng. That place over there, back in 2005, it was no internet. They had no clue what was a microwave. It was HIV with nearly 85% of the population in a the, in the village, which in China, to remember a village is, is half, a million per, half a million people is a village in China. So it was a huge HIV problem. Plus it was H, H1N1 disease with the, you know, with the, um, with the um, chickens. So literally I was training completely in a bubble because I couldn't even go out of the bubble because it was too risky. And not to mention all the mosquito with the disease and all the disease that we know. So I cried every day. There's not even a single day when I was not crying. And I remember buying this SIM card, this actually credit to call France. And I was remember paying something like 20 euro, uh, 20 or $25 US dollars. And, and that will, that will stay for like, that, I don't know, one minute or 40 seconds. And you just have the time for $25 to say to your parent, I'm good, but it's difficult. It's over. And back in the time in China, I was one of the first foreigners to go to this temple. For those who know Shaolin Temple, but I was in Faoang Temple, which is one of the oldest temples in China. And they, they were very much, you know, Chinese love to show that they have the power. It is how it is. This is the, this is the, this is the, the, the Confucianist sort of mentality, the country, the population, the family. So they love to, and they, they're not very super welcome with foreigner in the beginning. So it was very rough for me, very rough in the beginning. Uh, we were working out eight hours, uh, eight hours a day for six days out of seven, cold shower. It was very rough, like really. But now, as you said, it's a blessing for me to, to share that to others uh, and to, to realize that it could actually help the blessing for me the true blessing is to help people that suffer the same as i did when i was a child that destroyed so really the word destroyed a, a, a massive part of my uh, childhood and teenage uh, teenage time so i'm blessed to help people now with my passion with what i learned to bring it back and help those guys the same as i do i can't imagine like did you go there by yourself and not know the language on like how did you get there 
Yeah, so uh, that's the that's the question I've get I've get a lot. Um, I've learned I've learned Mandarin, Chinese Mandarin. Now I do speak Chinese Mandarin now, and I've learned the language with uh, there's as simple as that. It was like imagine a hundred kids from the age from five to twenty two. Usually they stop training at twenty two to work, and I was taking rocks and drawing. And my father, my mother, like old school, like it was. You you have for all the people that listen that podcast, you have to understand that it was no iPhone, no Instagram, no Facebook. That even didn't ex- nearly didn't exist in China. Um, Google were actually banned, so you couldn't you couldn't back in China you couldn't uh, type whatever you want. It was no WhatsApp. It was no color on the phone. It was there's nothing in that. That was a terrible time. So except having magazine, you, you had nothing. So you had to talk with the, the this is the, the proper way to learn a language by the, or to learn anything. You had to talk human to human. It was no interaction in somehow. And what happens when you get there? Like I'm picturing these images of this big temple like with doors closed. Like, and do you just go knock Absolutely. on the door? Is there someone meeting you? No, 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 no. So how it happened is one of the teacher that I knew in Paris in the club, knew a Shaolin monk that was actually touring in Europe to make some show. They usually do some show about martial arts. And uh, the guy came to the club and he said, oh, we'd love to have some foreigners sometimes coming in order for them, for you to sort of start promoting Chinese martial, Shaolin martial arts in, in, in France and in Europe. Because back at that time, it was very few foreigners once again going there. And it was no um, uh, courses to go to China and, and come back for two weeks. It didn't, it didn't exist at that time. So we went there and I decided to go. And yes, that was even the trip, the, 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 the way to go, the 15 hours to go to Beijing. And then it was no train, no, not the fast train that they have now that you reach from Beijing to uh, the city, uh, Dengfeng and Zhengzhou in two hours. Now you had to take a 20 hours bus and then you have to take a tuk-tuk that bring you to the, to the... And then you realize when you're there, training and crying with the bamboo stick and you're like, I'm never going to be back home. There's no way. There's no way I'm going to be back home if I want. There's no way I'm going to buy a ticket and go home. So you literally stuck there. And it was a very hard time. Every day I wanted to go back. Every day I wanted to quit. There's not even a single day I didn't, I wanted, I wanted to go back. But now at the end of the day, I published in various magazines, international magazine. I had the chance to work with a team of National Geographics, making the US National Geographic, making documentaries. I helped them. So it was very uh, nourishing for me, this experience, if I may say. Tell me about what it was like there. Like, is it, do you, are you, what sort of food do you eat? And like, do you, do you sleep on a, on a concrete floor? Or? That's very much the question people have all the time. So you wake up, usually you wake up at four, go to training at 4.30 and you do practice chicken for, you make a, you run first, a heavy run. And after you're doing two to three K running, you do chicken for two hours. And after chicken, you get your breakfast. And then, you had an hour off and you train for three hours in the morning, one and a half or two hours break for uh, um, lunch, and you train for four to five hours in the afternoon, and then you go to bed around nearly nine o'clock, 9 p.m. So what you eat is, is monk, they're monk usually, so uh, it's vegetarian. It's mostly vegetarian, it's the same sort of meat. But for me, as a foreigner, I was very pushy to have chicken. Even though it was H1N1, so I literally becoming vegetarian as fast as possible <laughs> because, because I didn't want to get sick. And people were dying at that time with that disease. So, uh, yeah, you literally is vegetarian. And, and during the winter time, which is the, 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 the very much the hardcore time, that, that, is, that is difficult. You have a, a bit of a, more space to stay. But there's nothing. You sleep on the wood. I was sleeping on, the, on a piece of wood. That's it. With, there's no... Just, 
for the people that once again listen this story there's no back in that time it wasn't hotel no 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 you sleep in the temple with the wood the humidity rise to 90 percent. you have a hundred million mosquitoes around you the telephone have no whatsapp no facebook no tv no internet no light no electricity in the winter no hot water so we were actually going to the public shower out of the city once per week so yeah for the people that believe that i was training eight hours a week uh, a day yes i was and was having one shower cold shower a week and uh, yeah that's that's heavy and i, I remember watching the uh, 2008 world cup football even though i'm not a big fan of soccer i'm not a big fan of soccer but uh and it was sort of for me a way to get out and i remember going into a creepy cafe internet coffee back at that time with the tv doing we barely see the players and for me that was just this 20 minute go to the city and come back was just a relief but yeah welcome to china china back at that time was very heavy very heavy people have no idea because they they watch documentaries about Shanghai or beijing but the reality of china back at that time you know back at that time i understand when the people say these these pandemic is from china i mean um, i don't believe it is originally probably from china no one really knows to be honest but when you see how they treat and how they, they are regarding hygiene in china uh there's there's no there, there's 100 possibility it could be from there because it's it's really rough it's really really rough i've tried dogs i've tried uh dog soup i didn't even know so yeah that was part of the part of the overall experience yeah, I think I'd be comfortable eating with the monks knowing that they're vegetarian and not being able to speak the language and say, what am I eating <laughs> and having no idea what it is. You have a garden, so they, they, they do their, they grow their own stuff. So it, it's nice. There's, that's the nice atmosphere. And, and you, but there, as for the ritual, it, it, it's very hard to stay, you know, for meditation, for example. Meditation in the Western world, we do not meditate with sitting and rest. When you go to China, and after all, after years, you understand that first the pain, the pain, because they, they meditate straight on the floor, on a complete facing the wall with having monk doing some sort of mantra singing because they're doing their daily prayer. Not everyone is practicing Kung Fu. And the one that practice spiritual world, you're just facing the wall and you, you, it's very rough because it's pain on your, on your back. It's pain on the spine. You start to feel the pain everywhere. And and I'm not going to lie, for my one-hour meditation routine every day with those guys, there's not even one single day I told myself, I was like, what the hell I'm doing here while meditating? If people ask me, oh, you, you meditate, so you know how to clear your mind? No way. No way. I was meditating, thinking, what am I doing here? I wish I can have my chicken now. That's all. Because meditation is a complete different world when you do it in the monastery in China, where those guys doing it naturally. You know, for them, it's just a daily life for the next 20 years of their life as a kid. So for me, it was something like I was just I was just a 19 years old guy, kids that wanted to to go out and party. But I was stuck in China. So it was difficult. The approach in the beginning of meditation in Qigong was very hard for me. Mm. It was very hard. It took me time. So that's why I believe that all those, those Qigong teachers that did intensive classes for two weeks because of the whatever supposedly top master that teach them intensively for two weeks, they can teach others. I think it's, it's, it's very, be careful uh, of any sort of new master that come out from out of the blue that teaching you that because it took me 20 years of my life to understand, just understand the concept of movement. We're going to get more into that, but, but yeah, it's, it's nowadays people want everything too fast. 
and they, they're willing to learn from absolutely anyone. And that's the big problem. So what is Qigong? So Qigong is a traditional movement pattern. I will try to make it very easy approach for people because that's what I'm trying to teach to people is the easy access to it. It's a movement pattern that resonate on your organs and your body and your mind pretty much the same as uh, Tibetan or Buddhist mantra. So Buddhist mantra, if you, if you want to make the parallel, it doesn't really matter what the word said. It doesn't really matter what the, the song look or sound like. What matters is what the word do on your throat and inside your body. So basically mantra are just word putting together to make your inner organs and your brain frequencies resonate through, uh, uh, through, through your entire body and then therefore healing yourself. That's what the mantra is. Qigong is exactly the same. Qi is energy in China and Gong is the work, the, the, the cultivation, the work. So it's very much how to cultivate your energy and your Qi inside your body. And Qigong was designed initially by doctors. So it's very much like a healing medicine uh, uh, process. And those movements are, are very much here to help your body to unblock some, place, some places where you may have some sort of blocked chi. Where the, the, the Chinese believe the chi can be blocked somewhere. It could be on your back. It could be on your neck. It could be near your heart. It could be on your ribs when people have pain. It could be on your stomach when you, you, you have problem to digest, for example, because of a, maybe a higher sugar intake or something. So chi can be stuck in many parts of your body. And qigong is literally movement patterns that help you refine the flow of this qi. And the qi, 6,000 years ago, was not, nothing more than the energy that's flowing, the electric, electronic, electric stimulation from your brain that sends signal to your body. And your body reacts by symptoms, by creating symptoms and give an answer back to the brain with pain. So what they discovered 6,000 years ago is nothing more than electronic signal. The same that goes with the, with the fascia. On, into the fascia, you can have vibration to your body. You can have uh, um, uh, some pain signal that can be from one place to another. Sometimes it's on the right side you have pain, but actually it's from the left side. And it's nothing more the electric signal that is not fluid through your body. So Qigong is very much how to reconnect uh, the energy, the electric signal, the frequencies into your body. When you're when you're doing qigong, like what are you focusing on it? Like, tell me about what what it is as a practice. Like, how do you move that energy? So, qigong on itself, once again, is like meditating. To nowadays, it's like resting. There's nothing. You just you just. I see some people in a park, and once again, maybe they have a lovely time and they really enjoy that and maybe they feel even better but the real question you have to ask those people is don't you think the placebo is playing for you a major part of what you're doing because uh, doing movement in the air because you repeat what the guy and the new trendy guy on youtube is doing is literally a pro it's literally bringing you nothing except moving in the air but qigong what it is to reply your question you need to put intention you need to very much put intention in the movement. So the movement in Qigong is, is very, first of all, it's a system that actually creates a, a, a circular movement. It's always making a circular movement, always make, a, um, how do you call that? Um, a spiral. Yeah, a spiral. yeah it, it needs to be like that because Chinese medicine believe that the blood can move forward and backward like a spiral. 
Yeah. So you need to have this all the time. It needs to be this movement that's uh, turned back and forth. And you need to bring intention while you do the movement. This is why it's, it's actually healing. Depending on how you stretch your muscle, the fast and the slow twitch muscle, depending how you go up or you go down or on the side, you need to put this parallel intention. So it is very much um, a power movement. So that's why a lot of people that train with me usually uh, sweat a lot. On the next morning, they have a lot of pain in the back or in the neck because of all those inner deeper muscles that never worked for years, what we call the trash muscle because they especially for example the trapezius uh, a lot of people they never really train them and once they do qigong they experience the uh, reconnection from those trapezius with uh, the neck and they, the next morning they do have a heavy pain on, on the head and it's actually positive it means that for one of the first time in their life they train that part because of that spiral specific movement we do so qigong without the intention of the movement without the power in some movement not all it's useless because you can't make resonate your body if you don't put intention to the movement. And it's exactly the same if you want to make another parallel with acupuncture. Acupuncture works really good uh, because you put uh, needles on your body in some specific point that make usually react the iron negative and iron positive to vibrate. And in China, they had either heat, heat or electricity into the needle to make them uh, resonate even more. And the electricity of the heat is what we call the intention in, in Qigong, yeah? So we do movement with a very strong intention in order for the energy to flow from the deeper organ and to get out. And in other words, we, ex we expel the toxins because we can go way deeper. This is my approach. We can go way deeper into the scientific part of it, which is very much what I'm trying to teach to people as I, we talked previously together. I love to people to learn why we're doing that, why we play on the CO2, where we play on the O2, the deoxygen, where we're playing into the parasympathetic, sympathetic uh, um, a part of your uh, metabolism. It's a very, we, we play with hormone. Qigong is all about making your uh, uh, um, energy going better in your body to have a natural production of hormones. Um, about the nutrition, the neurocirculation that you have in your guts, the endorphin, the, microbro the microbiote that you have in your guts. So all of those exercises combined with rest work help your organs to heal themselves. And this is very much the, the, the uh, why Qigong works with people that do, for example, intermittent fasting, because the people that do fasting or having a vegan diet or the vegetarian diet have a tendency, in, instead of multiplicate cells, for heavy digestion, when the cell is, is, is super dead or really nearly dying and another one is healthy, instead of keeping the dead one and multiplicate the healthy one, the healthy is going to eat the dead one. That's the power of self-healing. You, when you're working on it, can you feel the energy? Absolutely. You can feel literally the energy when you do the movement, when you train with an even 10-minute routine, you can feel. And this is actually a very good question because you must feel the energy. And if you follow a lot of guys on YouTube or the trainer and they're doing once again those movements in the air, you just feel an energy which is probably created not by uh, a proper electrostimulation that increase, the same as if you go to the gym and you do a heavy pull-up or weighted pull-up or a deadlift, the, the, the electronic simulation rises to the top. But in, and, and the problem with uh, Qigong is if you don't bring the intention, you don't feel the energy. 
And when you train with me, you will feel like you're getting hot. Some people, for example, having cold hand experience to be super hot on the fingertip. They experience to have tingling on the fingertip. They experience to have a blur vision because of this toxin that release. They experience to have, at the end of the training, a white tongue because or a, a, a heavy breast because of the breast we're using, because of the contraction, the vasodilatation of the part from the breast that we use. We use a lot of uh, contraction of the breast depending on the uh, breathing. You probably know that you, everyone can do the experience, put your hands about 10 centimeters, uh, uh, you'll do the inches because I don't know, uh, mm -hmm. in, front of your, uh, in front of your mouse. And if you do the candle throw, like it's cold, but if you do, it's hot because contract the same as you do in front of the window, like you in the window, you're contracting your throat and the hair gets stuck and get the time to heat, to warm itself because of your body. So we play on those temperatures on the air, making the energy to flow to extremities, fingertips, every part of your body and therefore organ, organs as well. If people are just starting out, do they, do they feel that sort of first session or does it take a few sessions to sort of become aware of that and in tune with that? Yeah, they will feel it the first session because what I'm doing is very, very specific. I'm actually mixing traditional Qigong with traditional movement that I've learned and in, in through my life and also in Shaolin Temple. But the one that actually is uh, subscribed by, by doctors in hospital, but I'm mixing it, I combine them with breathwork, with modern breathwork. So uh, as for the breathwork, it's very much... You do have the same in India, for example. You can find them in India with pranayama, which is using in, in yoga. You can find them in free diving, which I was doing for 10 years. So I'm also a free diver. So I know those breastwork because I implement those breastwork into my free diving, going 50 meter deep or doing, you know, uh, holding my breath. So those play with the breath, especially with the whole breast, empty lungs, full lungs, uh, playing with the vasoconstriction of the, the vessels. It literally helps you to increase the feeling of the Qigong. So it improves the Qigong movement and therefore the energy that you implement. So yes, to answer your question, from the first training, you can, the first 15 minutes, you can literally feel it's day and night. Day and night for multiple reasons. The first one is you will realize a lot of your muscle that you believe, even I'm talking about even fitness guy that I've been training so far, the, the guy that look, that look shaped, they look fit in front of the mirror. Once the experience is 15 minutes, the uh, Qigong uh, mixing, combining with modern breastwork, they realize a lot of their uh, uh, core muscle were not literally alive. And the reason is because we were on, uh, on such a very deep muscle uh, that a lot of people experience uh, some sort of lactic acid management and, and they feel like it's burning because of the lactic acid. And then they're like, whoa, but I'm doing Jing every day or I'm doing sports every day, whatever the sport you're doing. And so... So yeah, they feel it. And as for the energy, you feel it with the breath. Once you, once you do the first couple training or the first session with me, and I'm explaining you the proper mindset, how to calm the breath, how to understand, to calm in your mind, you start to literally readapt and reconnect the frequencies between your mind that needs to train for sending you the proper signal to your body and the body that needs to answer to your mind. So you feel way more uh, connected with yourself. If I may, if I may resume in that way, uh, this is one of the, mo the the major feedback I receive. People, you feel way more reconnected to yourself, mm. and and this is key point here. This is why we uh, we combining, uh, I'm combining, but this is why we're combining breastwork 
with Qigong is to not only improving the Qigong movement, but also to make sure that the breastwork uh, helps you to re-oxygenate your, your, your body. So you need to manage the proper balance of CO2O2. And that's pretty much the core work on that. And as for this, uh, the, the result, those people feel way more oxygenated, way more oxygenated, and therefore producing way better uh, hormones like dopamine, serotonin, uh, lower cortisol, lower technically, obviously, blood pressure. That's one of the main points. We can reduce by 20 points the systolic and the diastolic uh, uh, doing qigong, practicing qigong with breastwork. So there's a lot of things that you can do. We can remove some uh, 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 blood clot that you may have stuck because of the vasoconstriction and vasodilatation of the, the vein. So there's a tons of things that we can play with um, combining those two. So as the effect, it's a, it's a very overall sort of good effect. And not to talk about the posture. After a month and a half, let's say six to eight weeks, a majority of the person I train learn not only that a muscle can stretch, but also a muscle can retract. And the problem with the people, especially with Instagrams and Facebook, they tend to be super rounded back, you know, having this rounded back, this rounded shoulder. It is not just because the chest and the upper chest don't remember how to stretch out, but it's also because the back is overstretched. It can't anymore retract. So Qigong posture with the breastwork, especially the one with the increasing CO2-O2 balance, help you to retract the muscle again. Mm -hmm. It's a very deep, complex thing, but take an elastic, bend the elastic very heavy, and after some moment, the elastic will be at the neutral part, will be longer than it was initially. But now ten, try to put it back into the original uh, uh, state that it was when you bought the elastic or you found the elastic. It's just impossible. You can't retract an elastic. You can always increase an elastic, but you can't retract it. And it goes the same with the, with the bone, uh, the, um, with the muscles. So traditionally, they didn't use the breath in Qigong. Is that right? It was just all about the movement. Yeah, it's all about the movement plus breath. They have four type of breaths in, in, in traditional Qigong, but... I'm using a very modern way of breathing in order to in increase for the people. My breathing, the breastwork that I'm using, especially the one with the throat and the uh, empty full length holding breast, is very much to improve uh, the hormone uh, balance, to, to, to rebalance the hormone production, and therefore helping the people that suffer from anxiety or chronic stress or fear. So it's very much dedicated for those people, the people that, like me, suffered or been suffering uh, with panic attack, anxiety, sort of inner phobia they have. That breastwork is very much designed for playing with the hormones, for playing with the parasympathetic and sympathetic uh, body signal. So uh, it's, it's a very modern science, backed by science uh, approach that I put into my, my uh, 22 years of experience. So, and, and that is why the result for those people suffering from those fears is, is so good. Uh, it's, it's also because of those two combined. People, I'm trying to give people tools. I'm trying to give them the proper foundation, the traditional chicken with the movement, they understand how it works. And when they get back connection with their body, I give them the breastwork. And then finally we combine those two together. And this is how it is. A majority of the people I've been training with anxiety and I've been training a lot of them, they lost contact or the lack of con connection between body and mind. And I'm talking literally about frequencies. Yeah, I found that in my own experience, both through myself and with um, my clients, is that it's a real combination of the body and the breath 
um, yeah. and the mind. Like it's it's almost like if you leave one of those elements out, it's just it's it's missing something. It doesn't create like you were saying before that synergy. It's like you need all of them to create, which and sort of makes yeah. sense thinking about like from the yogic point of view of um, and I'm interested to know if it's the same sort of with the China um, view in that like the the chi or the prana that life force energy is in the breath so it makes perfect sense doesn't it to cultivate that and bring that in to help you with your body to get that flowing rather than sort of just having that system and trying to get it flow it's like that influx of energy to clear out that help clear out that system uh, that's the key that's the key as you, you know is the prana it's the same exactly that's, that's the same system it's, it's exactly the same system i i do believe that people that suffering especially the one that's suffering from panic attack anxiety and, and all these fears they need something tangible they need some tools tangible in their hands something they really understand and i guess the the the, the major uh, pain point i receive from those people where oh it's not actually doing qigong and breast work, but this is, is this another guru thing? Is this another yogi type of guy in white pajama thing? And they love to, they love to learn. And that's one of the things that I, I do believe people are not stupid. And, and this is a key point here. People are not stupid. They would, I would love personally to learn deeply why I'm doing qigong, what's happening in my body, what's happening when I'm doing those type of men, why I'm doing that, what could hormones can be released, what, you know? And it's, it's, it's very interesting. And, and I know people are super interesting about that. So this is why I really want to go deeply into the why. Why are you doing this type of movement? Because once again, watching YouTube and doing movement and you repeat the movement, you, you repeat them, you may feel better, but you really don't really understand why you do that specific movement. Why that movement will touch more the liver. Why that movement with that breast work will impact it more your uh, uh, pulmonary system, your lung system. Why it will be on the stomach, how you can play on the guts, uh, how you can release uh, uh, hormones naturally. So especially melatonin, for example, the, the routine that I'm teaching, I've got a couple of routines that I'm teaching with very specific breast work prior to bedtime in order to increase uh, melatonin natural production. Uh, um, this is the people need to understand where the melatonin is created, what gland, why, how it's producing in order for them to visualize because it's all about visualization, qigong and breast work and my methodology is very much about visualization. The same free divers do. Free divers before the dive, lay down, do some breast work and visualize the, the, the complete descent to the 100 meters, 110 meters and the way to back up. They had to visualize it because visualization plays a very heavy role uh, in your brain. Uh, I'm talking about like real vibration and therefore frequencies to the actual result. So I help the people to get into the proper mindset. What took you into free diving? Uh, my love for the sea. Um, I'm very much in love with the sea and uh, I've been in the, in the water for, that's my sign on the uh, water thing i don't know how you guys say it in english but but I'm, I'm very much into the sea i love everything about the sea i had the chance to travel to nearly nearly 57 countries in my life so i've been in, in really in the most beautiful places in the world uh for for diving and um and i do have a very i i, I do sailing instead of motorboat i do free diving instead of proper scuba diving because uh i love the idea of 
being on the same way with the, with the, with the ocean you don't create bubble you know, it's not about the ecological part of it because uh, i mean come on it's not a couple bubble that know anything but it's just like first of all you don't scare fishes you don't scare any life and and you're very much in contact with them so i i love that it's really something that i i do love and free diving is 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 key for you're just it's you and yourself when you're diving and you do especially uh, depth uh, and you try to go as deep as possible, you just you and yourself. There's nothing, no one else at minus 50 meters that will help you. You just you and yourself. So as for application of whatever, what, for example, meditation work or Qigong, what we're doing, free diving is amazing because if you tend to have too many thoughts on your front lobe getting over and over, you will lose oxygen because your heart rate will increase and therefore you will lose the oxygen for higher CO2. And my work also helps you to manage CO2 and therefore manage the spasma. So when you go deep and you have the, because you want to breath, you can manage those spasms. Professional freediver manage up to a hundred spasm, a hundred. A lot of you guys probably have been into the water and, and having this feeling of, I need to breathe emergency uh, urge of breath. And you're like, inside the water imagine the freedivers by controlling the o2 co2 and the frequency of the signal because it's all about the signal your brain signal a signal to your body that said i need oxygen but in reality you don't need oxygen it's just a signal that your brain as a safety mode sent you the same as people going close to a restaurant and they smell amazing food instantly they want to eat they have this feeling on the stomach but that, that is a fake signal made up by your brain to trigger the fat to eat, or you want to the urge of breath, but you can control that. And some free diver control that up to hundred hundreds percent. So it showed you that you can control anxiety the same way. You can control panic attack, fears, phobia the same way. Those signals that the, the brain send to your body and your body answer by symptoms are fake signal, a made up signal because your, your brain said emergency security uh, please protect me sort of signal. And the, the, your brain is smart and you're a smart person, you're a smart machine. And it may signal way before you arrive to the last point, way before it's too late and you pass out. You have way, way many signal before you're passing out into an emergency uh, uh, state. So, um, so try to control. My work is to try to recontrol also those signals. Mm. Could you... Is it, are you able to go through a quick exercise with us or something that people can um, a little bit of a try to get a taste or is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I can, I, we can, we can, if you want to do uh, an exercise, like it's, it's, once again, it's on a podcast, so we're going to do a breastwork exercise because obviously it's going to be tricky for me to explaining on a podcast without the video, uh, how to do movement with the, with the arms, but we can do, if you want the box, um, the box uh, breathing. So the box is very much a square. So you have to imagine a square. So the first breath in will be through your nose. We're going to do a very simple one. We're going to do through the nose and we're going to take a deep breath in for four seconds. We're going to hold the breath for four seconds. We're going to uh, um, exhale through the nose for four seconds and we're going to keep holding your breath for four seconds. That is uh, one of the very top exercise. And we're going to do that one uh, uh, three times. Three times they're going to be a warm up, and then as a second exercise, very easy. I'm going to show you how to do a variant, a variant of that exercise with a longer uh, second, especially on the empty lungs, in order for you to create and control the CO2. And you realize when you empty lungs, your thought completely decrease. 
you thought sort of disappear. Your heart, you will hear, if you close your eyes at that precise moment, you will hear your heart beating. You will hear your body, your, your organs moving. And this is key point. So as for the, uh, the, the box, you just can close your eyes, not closing your eyes. If you sit in, on your chair, just sitting normal, put your shoulder down and, and try to be as, as straight as possible. Put your hands into your um, um, legs. And always remember to not look down, but look a little bit up and put your uh, uh, head a little bit up in order for the throat to have the full uh, potential to breathe. So just don't look in front of you, just look a little bit up and put your head, let's say couple couple inches up. And so you're gonna breath in deeply for four seconds and we go together for inhale. One, two, three, four. Hold your breath, full lungs for one, two, three, four. Exhale through your nose and one, two, three, four. Keep your hold, hold your breath, empty legs for one, two, three, four. Inhale through the nose, one, two, three, and four, hold your breath and one, two, three, four. Exhale through the nose for one, two, three, four. Stop, hold your breath, empty your lungs and one, two, three, four. Last one, inhale. Hold and one, Two full lungs, three, four. Exhale through the nose and one, two, three, four. And keep it for four empty lungs. One, two, three, four. Relax, open your eyes. Take a couple breaths, no more, three, couple of three or five, just no more. Then we're going to go to the second exercise, which is the one you get really into the breath work and chicken work. So we're going to inhale for six. We're going to hold our breaths for seven and we're going to exhale for eight. And this is where it's quite interesting. You're going to make as far as possible empty uh, um, empty air in your lungs. So once we do inhale for six, keep your breath, try it on the empty full lungs, try to feel your heartbeat, try to feel the heart, try to feel the air getting into your ribcage and pushing your ribcage, stretching your ribcage. That's really the visualization they need to do. Try to feel when you, you full lungs, how your ribcage is expanding like a balloon. Try to imagine uh, those puppy, those those dogs or cats, how they breathe when they when, how they breathe when they sleep with this balloon they have in their stomach. Try to feel that. Try to visualize that. Then you ex exhale through the nose for eight seconds, and then when you try to empty your lungs completely at second eight, try to keep it for try to keep it for ten seconds if possible. If you can't, just do six, seven, whatever the time you can. And then at that specific moment, try to just focusing on your heart. Feel your heart, visualize it, and see your heart moving. You empty air, you still alive, and you actually way more alive. And what we're doing here, and we, we want to increase the CO2 production. So, same position, close your eyes, take a little bit up. When you close your eyes, once again, put your tongue into your palate. Never close your eyes fully. 
keep a little bit high that you can see, let's say uh, 30, 30 centimeters in front of you, you can see your hand. All right, so take a deep breath for six. One, two, three, four, five, full lungs, and six all for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, through the nose slowly, and one, two, exhale, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Now keep it. No hair in the lungs. You're good. Just try to feel your heart. Feel it. Feel your heart moving. Feel the tingling. Feel the CO2 rising. You're very good. You have time. And this is just you and yourself without hair and you get you still alive. All right. Take a deep breath in for one, two, three, four, five, six full lungs. It will explode. Hold your breath and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and release with the nose and one, two, slow, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Now you're in the bottom of the sea. You dive deep. There's nothing around you and you're calm. There's nothing that disturbs you. There's no thought, no negativity, nothing. It's just you and yourself. You've got no oxygen in your blood and the CO2 is rising. Feel that. Once you want to breathe, last one, take a deep breath in for one, two, three, four, push even more, five, push, 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 six, block, and one, two, three, four, five, six, and slow exhale through the nose, and one, two, three, four, going deep into the sea, six, seven, eight. Now relax. This is the last of the day. Take your time. Control. There is no spasm. You can go far beyond you believe. And it goes the same with any people with phobia or panic. You can go far beyond on this emergency mode, far beyond you believe. You're calm, you get no oxygen, and yet you feel way more alive than before. Try to do even more second. Open your eyes and take a deep breath in. And breath normally. So the idea, a lot of you can feel like this lightheaded. This lightheaded feeling you may experience now is the rise of the CO2. And the rise of the CO2 you experience now literally help you to resend, re, literally resend proper signal to your body. And you, I, I love, you, you need to find your own world. For me, my world was free diving. So when I'm doing those type of breast work, especially the exercises, I'm imagining on the way in that I'm taking all the breath from the air, from the air, from, from every, everywhere from the earth. And then I get into the water and go deep into the water, as deep as possible to the abyss. And once I'm on the abyss, I know I'm in control and I'm tend to 
float, you know, in the abyss. That's my view. And some other people have a different sort of view. It could be absolutely everything. It could be some people have experienced a hug with their family. And they, when they inhale, they're walking through their family or, or whatever, imagine their father. And when they, they, they remove the air, they get into the hugs. And when they release, they feel the hugs. So those type of breastwork can be fully adapted to uh, people that, with anxiety, for example. And you can literally talk to your anxiety in that mode, the mode with no oxygen. The higher the CO2 management, the better you talk to anxiety. And when I'm saying talk to your anxiety, once again, I'm talking in the back of it, I'm talking about refrequencies, the signal between your body and your mind. And this is why people with anxiety release, tend to release those negative thoughts through time because you're learning, you're teaching, sorry, you're teaching your body to reconnect with your mind. So that's a very short, very piece of, of what you can do with the CO2, O2 management. If you increase for too long the CO2 without having the work with the O2 previously or the movement with the Qigong doing those exercises, what is happening is, is you're going to have such an increase in the CO2 that you are going to into the hyperventilating state. And hyperventilating, meaning that you have way more CO2 in your bloodstream rather than O2. And what's happening when you do have so, your emotion tend to rise. You have, uh, you know, you, you, when you have too, way too much dioxide, carbon dioxide, you tend to cry. You tend to have this sort of emotional state. This is what we want, but not to the point, not to the extent that you actually um, getting to this funky uh, uh, mood uh, uh, flow. We wanted to, com to control that. We wanted to feel, when I'm telling you to heard about this, having this feeling, we wanted to have a proper goal to do that. And this is why you have to have visualization when you do breastwork or qigong mixing, combining with breastwork, the intention. And that intention or this visualization helps you to never lose the feet out of the hearse. And this is key point here. I don't want people to imagine that we play on the CO2 for them to find some sort of thing they have from the childhood or trauma. No, no, no. We play on the CO2, O2 level for you, for training your brain to not being into this emergency state. And what they're doing here is very much close to what they do with sauna in, in a northern country. Oh, you do with a cold shower, a cold bath in the, in, the, in the river, for example. You just shock your brain for him to accept those pain and therefore changing the signal uh, to the body that usually send a signal, which is it's too cold, it's painful, it's tingling, I can't anymore. So you reprogram that connection. And this is exactly the same work we're doing with chicken and breastwork. It has nothing to do with hyperventilating people for them to feel like, do you feel like now you're talking to your post-traumatic, whatever? No, it's actually just a train that we do to uh, through visualization as well to first pre-warm the body, pre-train the body for the movement we're going to go incorporate into the training, but also to train these frequencies as a radio. Once again, it's the same as a radio. My work is to train people to have the proper frequencies from the radio post, which is the body, and the, mo the, the frequency we're looking for to have as, as sharp music going out of the speaker. And that is the frequencies we're looking for. Fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing Thank that you. with us. Thank you. And if people want to get in contact with you and learn more or do some sessions with you, how do they go about that? So they, they got Facebook, um, uh, Joss and Weber. They got my Facebook where I, I try, I'll, I'll try to keep uh, way more 
uh, they, they can learn everything about the BAM methodology, the breastwork awareness and movement uh, methodology that I design. And um, uh, and then usually what I'm doing with people interested, I jumped into a Zoom call because uh, and I'm giving you I'm giving people a, a free 45 minute. And if, if, even if they need more, it's, it's no big deal because you you need to book Zoom call for one specific reason. You can't help people, especially because I, I know because I went one of them, you can't help people to have anxiety, fear, or panic attack whatsoever with just a DM on the messenger. You need to listen to the story. You need to understanding where it's from. Because there's also people that want to learn Qigong and breastwork for their uh, well-being, just for having a better uh, daily lifestyle. And those people can also contact me. And I will also go into a Zoom call. But from the beginning, especially with the one that suffered from, from anxiety and want to overcome that through the time, um, it, takes, it takes time for me to listen to them and to know where they're at in order for me to help them the best. So they can contact me on Facebook, on my page. Uh, through the page, they can also contact me on the uh, on the uh, uh, on Instagram with BAM methodology. Uh, whatever they contact me, I can book them very quickly with them a Zoom call on my calendar online. Whatever your time zone is, by the way, because it's all adapted online. And so I will always find the time uh, for people to uh, have this regular, what I call the virtual coffee conversation. It's important for me because it's nothing about the program on itself. It's just like uh, sometimes you go with the psychotherapist that have 12 years of diploma of studies and you don't resonate with a person. And sometimes you resonate with another one that have absolutely no studies and you just met him in a coffee. And surprisingly, you went through the same as you and you have a better human connection. So this is the reason why I'm trying to have people on a Zoom call. And once we validate all of that and I understand the lifestyle, we can get into the foundation. Uh, so I give them tools and foundation in order for them to be independent. This is key point here. People that wanted to contact me, once you get into the program, you have enough tools to be fully, fully, once again, independent. I don't want people to to be, oh, you, I need this and this. Oh, there's another three months to come. No, I give you a, a full program, full, full set. You know everything. You got all the tool with me and you get from point A to point B. And once you overcome all your fear, you can have the tool for yourself. So that's very, very important point for me. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's really, I've really enjoyed connecting with the, another fellow human being on the quest of helping people sort of balance their mind and their body and their spirit and love what you bring into this world. So want to encourage you and thank you for all the work that you, that you do. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jess, for this time you take to me. I know I'm talking a lot, but it's because we're French. We love to talk. We're Parisian. We love to talk behind the coffee zinc. So you should come, people, to understand that, to understand post-pandemic. But it's just like once again, I feel I feel that this is my passion, and I think you you can tell it's not a, you can tell I'm not lying. It's something that I've got in my bloodstream. I've got qigong breastwork and helping the others in my bloodstream, and this is the reason I'm talk so much about it because sometimes I feel frustrated that people are still taking pills like Xanax, sleeping pills, Lexomil, and I'm like, wow, there's so many ways natural that you can overcome those stuff. And, and I help 120 plus people doing so. So I'm frustrated to see them sometimes posting on groups like, hey, I'm, I'm panicking. Or, so it's, it's complicated. And also, by the way, the people can join our, uh, our groups, the uh, self-awareness, self-development, the SASI group, just write S-A-S-I. Uh, on Facebook, it's a, a group with 30,000 people. Uh, I'm admitting administrator of that group. And um, we, we tend to have to bring value to people. And, and very soon we're going to see 
uh, we're gonna we're gonna have an interview of you, Jess, in a, in a group because we really want to know and to share your uh, experience and your uh, coaching because I'm sure you can bring uh, tons of high value to people too. So um, you're more than welcome to. So thank you so much once again for your time. Thanks for joining me for another inspiring conversation. For more inspiration on topics like this, head over to my Facebook page, Journey to a Better Place with Jess Baker. If you want to know how you can work with me on your journey to a better place, check out the website www.journeytoabetterplace.com. Bye.